0: bringing you everything under the disney umbrella network 1901 Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are going to be covering our final episode in our Makeup and Mandalore series, which at this point in time of recording seems weird because the second episode not only hasn't come out yet, but I also haven't <laughs> edited it
1: yet. Yeah, we gotta backlog it a little bit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're we're very ahead because Alex and I will be going to Galaxy's Edge soon. Actually, when this episode comes out, we should be both home. be back. Yeah. Yes. So a little weird. We're we're yeah. we are coming to you from the distant past. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have a little bit of news um to talk about. By the time these episodes come out, um the Rise of Kylo Ren issue number three should be here. Um, I am very excited to see what's going to be coming next yeah, with this series. I love this series. It's so good. Like We've said this before, if you have reservations about reading Rise of Kylo Ren, totally understand, but it's really good.
1: I, I get it, though, because it, it does sting way more yeah. knowing what happens in The Rise of Skywalker. <sighs> I, so I don't see this comic as being like, purposely hurtful. No. That's the way I read it, and I totally understand if some people like read it another way. I don't think Charles' soul is going out of his way to like plunge to the sword deeper.
0: No, because I think he wrote most of it without the context of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And as we just found out, like changes were being made to this. Well, no, that was debunked. Never mind. No,
1: changes were being made pretty late, though. The thing that is caused
0: yeah, that's, changes were being made. Yeah. the still very, very late in the game, so mm-hmm. we don't know.
1: Because that was Matthew and, Wood saying that, and like Matthew Wood, like that was a reliable. Story.
0: That's true. Yeah, that is true. Yes, and this kind of gets into our next thing. So they're going to be making a big announcement about Project Luminous um, at the end of the month. Uh, I believe it's the twenty fourth. Is yeah. that correct? So
1: it's 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 going to be soon when this this comes out.
0: <laughs> yes, um, they said so that they're going to talk about the characters, the era. Um, what exactly is going to be going on with this? And it's gonna
1: be a new story. Completely. It's gonna be a completely new story. Completely new <laughs> story.
0: And I'm really excited for this announcement because I've been getting increasingly worried with our side material. Like yeah. I'm still a little bit worried about the novel. Well,
1: just 20, because of things.
0: T- 2019
1: well, just because was a of things that have been coming out. Yeah. yeah, 2019
0: was such a disappointment. And like we're getting a Podamarin novel, like a Which young Podamarin novel.
1: Disappointing.
0: Yes. And like normally this wouldn't exactly bother me and it's going to be a Hispanic author, which is really great. It's a YA novel. But the reason it bothers me is because it is to align with the rise of Skywalker. Like, they're going to talk with, like, Zori Bliss and him being a Spice Runner.
1: and They're making that canon make sense, which it didn't, right? (laughs)
0: Yeah. And, like, I hope that it comes across as, like, fixing Tross, not trying to Make Tross mess up more of the canon.
1: I just don't understand why we need more Poe. I, I don't see either. what they're doing, regardless of which way they're going with that. If they're fixing Tross or they're fixing extra ma- material, whichever way that is, I just don't understand why we need more Poe.
0: No, we I, out of every character yeah. we have so much Poe. I,
1: I adore Oscar Isaac. I adore Poe. Like like we've come a long way with liking yeah. Poe, especially with Resistance Reborn. We loved him in that. I just don't know why we need more content from this character.
0: No, and and I do have somebody that I work with, and Poe is her favorite character because she loves Oscar Isaac. Like she's she's more of a casual fan, mm-hmm. and she does talk about a lot how like there's not enough Poe merchandise. And I do think
1: that's
0: kind of... There isn't. There's so much extra... (laughs) There's so much extra Poe, like, material to read, and the fact that there's not a lot of toys. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's backwards. (laughs) It's like, Poe is, like, an
1: adult favorite, almost.
0: Because, like, it's
1: more likely, like, I think adult fans are going to pick up the extra um, material, especially the books and comics. Even though some of these books are YA or um middle grade, I still think that the audience is older, so that's mm-hmm. why maybe he's not as in as many toys and clothes.
0: That's true. I don't know. It's I just feel like weird. the Oscar
1: Isaac <laughs> fandom is like more into reading and <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> than toys and clothes, but I, I could be wrong. That
0: that is very, very true. I will say one thing about this book, and it's that Resistance Reborn, to me really said, and to you, really said, you know, Poe Dameron is gay. Yeah. Um, Or Penn or Bi. Or Penn or, or, yeah, Yeah. or anything. So I don't really want to read a book where it's like, look how straight Poe Dameron is! That's how Trost made me feel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes. We will see how that goes. There's been some more things floating around with E.K. Johnson, some of her takes still coming out. Yeah, it's... (laughs) By the time this comes out, that will have blown over, but... I mean,
1: usually I don't I don't have that much to say about her opinions because they're opinions usually, but this one was kind of blatantly just Just disregarding canon. Yeah. Like it wasn't,
0: I was like, I don't think that's an opinion. I think that's. It's the type (laughs) of opinion where I'm like, nobody in their right mind who engages with like the myth and the canon could possibly draw this conclusion. Well,
1: we should we should just speak to what she was referring to she um tweeted about revenge of the sith the scene on Mustafar, and said that pad that it was a breakup scene for padme that padme went to Mustafar to break up with anakin
0: which is totally <laughs> not the case i so like i can almost understand like what she th- <sighs> see like no, here's but the that's thing. What like, i up I, happening. I know i know that up like, breaking up yeah like but I that know that was like her intention, intention yeah yeah I know that like EK's intention was that like oh she was going there to break up with him but like I can almost see like why you would say that because Anakin or Padme was going there to confront him yeah but, like I don't think anybody can say that like she knew what was no. going to happen or that she was going there to be like I'm breaking up with you no, because she, like she wouldn't have done that if she, she didn't wanted, believe that she yeah. could bring him back she wouldn't have gone
1: she wanted to bring him back to help raise the kids like and be with her it wasn't like i am going to go break up with this guy like no yeah that ended up happening sadly that's not what happens (laughs) yeah it's just yeah usually i don't have much to say about it because i'm like oh that's her opinion like it's not mine but but yeah this it it was weird it was really weird
0: yeah and the whole reason she said that is because somebody asked if you know, she's writing another um, book for Queen's Shadow, um, Queen's Peril, and somebody asked if she was going to write Padme all the way up to Revenge of the Sith, and we'd get a scene where Sabe, like, sits her down and, like, tells her how horrible Anakin is or something like that. And, like, again, I could see that happening, but you could never write Padme going, like... Oh my god, you're so right! Like Anakin's so horrible because she doesn't believe that she's she loves him. Well,
1: like you even see the conversations between her and Obi Wan.
0: Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's
1: proof that she still has hope in him.
0: Yeah. So like that does make me a little bit worried if Ek does think this way, but I'm still gonna read Queen, Queen Sparrow. Yeah, um,
1: I will. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I want I want Padme content. We both liked. Queen
1: Shadow. We had like yeah. it wasn't a perfect book, but we both enjoyed it.
0: Honestly, if you cut out part five, I still think that Queen Shadow was one of the better ones yeah, that we got. Yeah, it was. It's <laughs> the Bin Solo parallels must have been intentional, but they were still great. They
1: were not intentional. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright, so the other news that we got this week uh, is that the Star Wars show has a completely new format, which you guys would have seen, so now they are going to be posting one, like, larger episode a month, and then weekly we will get a shorter news type of episode.
1: I think, did they say the last Wednesday of every month?
0: Last Wednesday, yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm.
1: So how did you feel about the first episode of this new format?
0: At first, I was a little skeptical, like I thought it was a little weird. I was like, oh, God, what's happening to Lucasfilm? Mm -hmm. Um, But I really liked that they were able to like use that time to kind of go more in depth into the different departments. So like we got to see more props. There was a little roundtable with people who worked on um, like work within the story group or worked on. Jedi Fallen Order, so that was really nice. I
1: love the roundtable.
0: The roundtable was really, really good. It made me feel better about, like, the people working within Lucasfilm. Like, it it felt... I know that, like, it's not transparent, but it felt more transparent.
1: Yeah, but it was pretty clear that they ignored Tross the entire episode. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) I think they were like, "Hey, look at Jana's gun." I like that <laughs> they never, they don't, they didn't talk about Tross at all. They just kind of talked about like that they still have so much more room for story. T- it really yeah. felt like they were saying, "Like the door is not closed, please." <laughs> please yeah, don't they're kind of they're really sweeping Tross under the
1: rug, which is like kind of annoying because, like, even though we don't like it, it's like, guys, this this movie still exists. exists, like. Um, Ray and Kylo did kiss.
0: <laughs> I feel like if they're not going to acknowledge the problems, which I wouldn't ever really expect them to do. Yeah. I would rather them just kind of ignore it. But like I agree, like the Ray and Kylo stuff. Or
1: even it's talk annoying. about like, you know, talk about the production, like the set design. Like mm-hmm. talk about like I mean they did they, they showed the props a little bit, but some of it was just repeat of the previous episode or like during the premiere or something. Some of yeah. it I had seen mm. before. Um, but yeah, I it's it, it felt weird watching that episode because though I did enjoy it, it was
0: so clear that they were not talking about Choss. Yeah. Maybe that'll change once we have the art book. Yeah. Like I think it could be a little bit different, which is coming out March thirty first. Mm-hmm. i saw a post about it today
1: and the other thing is like it's great to see new faces at lucas i love it but what's happening with andy and anthony like they're gonna be yeah. less and that was my one concern i'm like are they phasing them out
0: like yeah it like, was weird yeah the fact that they like i was so happy to see um i don't know her name um the redhead oh
1: um uh kristin
0: yeah, I, I was so happy to see like more of her and like she's gonna be doing the news recaps. Yes, yeah, I really time, like her. Yeah, but it's like what's happening to Andy and Anthony? And like if you if anybody follows Anthony on any social media, <laughs> you know that he did not like Tross. So <laughs> I'm wondering what exactly is going on? And he they seemed a little weird.
1: Like, well, Anthony's always kind of weird. So it's hard to say if it was like weirder than normal. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I don't want to read like too much into no. it and get like too spoil, like too yeah. speculative. But
1: no, I, I guess was just we'll see. I was just weirded out by the fact that they mentioned, oh, you're gonna see a lot of new faces around, and it's like, well, where are you guys going?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit strange. And by the time this episode comes out, we'll be a lot closer to that next um, yeah. monthly episode. So maybe we'll see kind of how that goes once we get there. All right, so I think we are ready to move into our final section of Makeup and Mandalore. So we are going to be covering the last half of The Mandalorian, episodes five through eight, and (laughs) I remember watching, like, these episodes for the first time, because five and six are a little bit slower, and then once you get thrown back into the mess with seven and eight, it's just so well done and I remember seeing episode eight yeah the pacing and just feeling like they really get it like this is Star Wars like at its best
1: it is it truly is it gives me um it it gets me so so excited for season two and I'm glad that there's room to breathe and we're gonna get a year like it's like basically a year break um Mm -hmm. which is really nice take your time with it Do the best work that you can.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, I'd
1: rather get pushed back and get a better product. (laughs)
0: Yes. Yeah. Somebody even mentioned that today. They were like, how about instead of announcing release dates, you just announce projects so that people aren't expecting it to come out on a deadline.
1: And, you know, I appreciate even like Witcher, the creators said, oh, sometime in 2021 is season two. They didn't say a month. They didn't even say a season because Mandalorian, they gave us fall, Mm -hmm. which gives us this window that I don't necessarily think that they should have given us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I think, like, saying Fall, to me, like, a, a lot of time, like, new TV premieres in Fall. So yeah. I, I can see why, like, that's kind of what they were going for. Um, I, I assume that they've already been working on it. Uh, hopefully yeah. they've already got this, everything written. I mean, so. at this
1: point, I'm not too worried because it's very clear that season one had such a strong drive. Like, they, they knew exactly where they were going. And I know that can fall apart because we've seen it before. (laughs) But I do have a lot of confidence in this creative team that is doing Mandalorian.
0: Yes, I I totally agree. Yeah. So to start off uh, with episode five, this one is called The Gunslinger and it was directed by Dave Filoni. This one, they return to Tatooine and we see the Mandalorian kind of help then get betrayed by a young rookie bounty hunter. And I know for me, I think you're the same way. This is my least favorite out of the whole season. Yeah, it is. It doesn't doesn't necessarily feel like it fits. And when I was watching it last night, I kind of had the thought that if you had put this episode before episode four, so like before they go to the sanctuary, it would have made a little bit more sense because... Mm -hmm they you know the whole reason they sat down on Tatooine is cuz they have to make repairs they're still on the run his relationship with baby Yoda isn't really explored as much um whereas in episode 4 we do know that they spent so much time on Sorgan yeah. like they say that like that battle had happened weeks ago so i think it would have made more sense if we had seen it a little bit earlier yeah
1: like if it had been episode 4 episode 4 and 5 swap places yeah that would make sense. But if you look
0: at it from the,
1: like, tinfoil Hattie point of view that people have been <laughs> saying, that the way that this show is kind of panning out is, like, the sequel trilogy, it's kind of like, well, is this the, like, kind of step backwards that we saw in The Rise of Skywalker?
0: Oh, that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. I... I think it's really fascinating because we do return to Tatooine and we do have a lot of callbacks um especially like with the pit droids and like places that are mentioned they go back to that same cantina on Mos Eisley like there are a lot of callbacks there's a lot of nostalgia here and it's handled very differently than it is handled in the sequel trilogy and especially mm-hmm. the rise of Skywalker and I think you know from a meta perspective like there's a lot to be said for like, what? Why are we here? Why have we returned? Like, why are we seeing the characters acting like this? Like, it it it's it almost like it's supposed place. to be. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be out of place.
1: But like rewatching this, so I think this is the only episode I had only seen one time before this rewatch. Mm-hmm. Every other episode I had rewatched before this rewatch before we're recording. I enjoyed it more this time around, knowing that the what the direction of the series is, because yes. I think it was concerning at the time. Me yes. being like, okay, where is this story going? Because we just spent one episode with Cara Dune, and now now she's gone, and we're like, well, why, why isn't she on the show anymore? And we didn't know she was coming back.
0: Yeah, I think like it was so frustrating when these were coming out weekly because we were like, okay, well, but what does this mean like overall? Yeah, and like the answer is it doesn't necessarily mean anything right now. The end means something probably. Yeah. I mean um, like
1: purgles in rebels come back.
0: Yeah, exactly. You think the
1: Purgle episode is nothing, and then it was huge.
0: Yeah, like Dave Filoni, like he knows what he's doing. He's he knows what he's he knows what's going on here. And I know um, MC on What the Force has theorized that this was kind of like a George episode. Yeah, which I I agree with. I think you see a little bit of that here as well. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, I do want to talk about this. Um, so they're being chased by somebody and the dude says i can bring you in warm or i can bring you in cold and mando's like hey that's my line and i had this thought of like is this just a fun callback is this just like a hey look at our hero that's his line that's his motto whatever or is this a way to show that mando is different yeah not like he's even growing just-
1: beyond just a bounty hunter like a faceless bounty hunter
0: well, and, like, not even just that, like, I would argue that even in the first episode, you can kind of tell that he's a little bit different than, like, the other bounty hunters, mm-hmm. and so it, it's, like, another way to kind of, like, put him a, like put him in, like, a different, to kind of set him apart, um, and you even see this with uh, Toro once we get to him, like, it seems like some of these other bounty hunters are really in it for the money and for the glory, whereas we know with Mando he's trying to protect his people and now he's trying to protect Baby Yoda. So I wonder if that is a point to show us like that there are some differences here.
1: It begs me to like wonder though, like he's protecting his people, his tribe, but how did he get chosen as the lone gunslinger?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like how is why he, is he, like, he the one? The
1: tribe got together and were like, okay, it's Din. I don't know. I don't know either. I hope we find out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had some questions too about like when he gets his signet, because if they're all, I don't, like, I don't think they're all Death Watch now. Like this mm-hmm. tribe, yeah. They're just they're just survivors. So when we arrive on Tatooine, it's very different than what we see in A New Hope. Like, doesn't it kind of feel a little bit different too?
1: Yeah the the tone of it is uh like very barren. Mm-hmm. Um it feels even more desert-like than it did before, I think.
0: Yeah, it seems quieter. Like it does, it seems like this planet it's was never a pla- Yeah, it, it was never like a planet yeah. full of life, but in this it really feels like this isn't a place that you want to be.
1: It's it's even more that place you want to get away from than when Luke wanted to get away from it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's interesting because we do have, you know, like, Stormtrooper helmets on spikes, which is yeah. kind of to represent, like, oh, they've been liberated from the Empire or whatever. But, like, seeing that, it feels unsettling. It like it mm-hmm. feels like it's this very, is not a place you want to be. It feels like
1: Game of Thrones, honestly. It does. So, like, it it the, really the, the does. on the spikes, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, like, clearly things are changing because you have droids in the cantina now. There's also not a lot of people in this cantina. It's no. practically empty, uh, which all of that just makes me wonder even more why the heck we had to bring the twins back to Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is, not, this is not a happy place. It's not I a just, happy place. Like, like, is that what they're trying to show us, too? That it's,
1: like, who wants to come here? It's even Honestly? worse than it was. It's worse than you remember it being. Yeah, it's
0: worse than... It's not what you remember. <laughs> like, you remember Luke Skywalker, like, oh, yeah. I just want to go to Tashi Station and fly in his little ship and looking into the horizon. Like, like, but that's not what this place is.
1: What I think of... When I think of Tatooine, I think about a lot of, like, familiar love and, like, between Anakin and Shmi and then with Luke and Owen and Baru. Mm-hmm. And, like, and that's what I think of when I, like, when I think about that planet. But there is none of that in this episode.
0: No, it's, it's very it's much, empty. like, well, and when you think about it, like, all of the happy things that happened on Tatooine are undone. Like, there's so much trauma wrapped up in that.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: Alex is freaking out.
1: <laughs> I'm having, like, an epiphany about this episode. <laughs> okay, you just
0: go on. Okay, okay, I was going to say. Well, when we I'll, get like, to
1: Toro, I have things to say.
0: Okay, well, because, you know, like, you said, like, the happy things with Shmi, but then Shmi dies on this yes. planet, is buried on this planet. Um, The stuff with Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru.
1: And then with mm. Han, like, being a carbonite.
0: Yeah, and then, you know, like, like, Slave Leia so many horrible things happened here like yeah. there, every like little bit of happiness is taken away it's and so true. there is no reason to come back here and i do think that the reason we come back here in this episode is to show that and there are so many people who can watch the series who like this might be their introduction to star wars so like Showing Tatooine is not for the sake of the fans because they knew this. They even said this. Like anybody can watch this. If you're a new fan, if you're an old fan, whatever. So showing Tatooine was not for the nostalgia. It was to transform it. Mm-hmm. Unlike Tross. Sorry, I'm <laughs> salty. Um, but that does bring us to our new characters. Do you want to start with Toro? <laughs>
1: um, yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So, when we are introduced to Toro, he is in whose booth? Whose seat is he in?
0: I see. like, I didn't even know that. He's in Han's booth.
1: He's in Han's booth. He is in someone else's shoes. He is pretending to be <gasps> oh. someone else.
0: Oh, oh no. And we just talked about
1: this. Yes, and when Rey is on Tatooine, is she pretending to be someone else? Yeah.
0: Yes, she is. And, like, with Toro, it is a bad thing. So, when we first see him, like, he's just this, like, rookie new bounty hunter. He's not even part of the guild. Like, he's hunting down this really elite assassin because this is his, like, ticket into getting into the guild, to, like, becoming a legend. And at first... You could almost see, like, his cockiness as just, like, oh, well, he's new to this. Like, he's a baby. He doesn't know what's going on. But it is revealed It's a front.
1: It's, like, a front for him. Yeah, it's it's a
0: front. Um, Which you can even say that, like, Han had that a little bit as well in the beginning. But you do learn that, like, he doesn't need money. He's only doing this to be a legend. And he does betray Mando later because he just wants to be a legend. He just wants... He just wants Baby Yoda because he knows that it's important and he knows that people will know his name for it. And it made me think about, like, these are the people who don't engage with the myth, but they still use it as, like, a way to, like, boost themselves, as, like, Mm -hmm. a way to, like, be like, oh, look at me, I'm very important, I know so many things, when really they don't know what's going on because they don't have that care
1: exactly
0: yeah and it it is it does bring up like you know like what does it mean to be a legend uh cause yeah. Luke brings that up in The Last Jedi you know like I'm a legend look at me I failed like I'm here doing this thing like it's not all it's cracked up to be
1: mm-hmm. raise the legend now
0: yeah exactly and she's all alone and you could even say that of the Mandalorians like they are these legendary warriors and look what happened to they them they failed yeah, yeah. They're scattered. They're the status they've been defeated. Is
1: gone. Yeah,
0: Yeah. it's really important <laughs> to look at this episode. Like I, I still don't think it's like the best episode. But like when you look at it from this standpoint, like so it,
1: interesting.
0: Yeah, because clearly the the creators like Dave Filoni, John Favreau, which I'm very surprised with. John Favreau has like a lot to say about this.
1: <laughs> He's like Dave Filoni... I mean, sorry, not Dave Filoni. Um, John Favreau is sur- surprising me.
0: Especially somebody who said that he didn't like the prequels, and yet he is such a major. To like the
1: prequels, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's it's a really. He really did surprise me. I did not think we were going to get this from him.
1: I think there is a ton of passion that he's putting into this, and it is so clear. And like, I mean, you always see it when there's a lot of passion being put into a project. It's it just that much better.
0: We know that Jon Favreau has been like, a huge Star Wars fan, like, his entire life. Like, he's one of those who mm-hmm. talks about how, like, he's he grew up with the original trilogy yeah, and all that. Yeah, he's
1: very much an OG fan.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I know that there is, like, a point of tension, um, especially within, like, with newer fans, when they see that, like, fan like, older fans are getting to, you know, like, write for Star Wars because there is that worry of, yeah. oh, are they just in it for the nostalgia or are they in it for the myth? And with John Favreau, you can definitely see now that he is in it for the myth. Like, he understands the story that's being told here. And in the case of, like, Chris Terrio, who talks about how he was an OT fan and he loved Return of the Jedi and all of this, and then you get a movie like The Rise of Skywalker, clearly... It was just a nostalgia thing. Yeah. And not a... Well,
1: I even, I even pointed out the similarities between Toro and
0: Hysteria. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really... Like, this is a, a person who just doesn't... Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of privilege. It's a lot of, like, I just want to be known for this thing. Yeah. I don't really know what it's about, but I want my name on it.
1: And he's kind of saying a lot of things without a lot of uh, backup.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's like Star Wars fans know better. And they're like, well, what are you saying? This isn't canon. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they, they easily could have gone, you know, like, oh, he's just a kid. He just has to learn. And like, Mando's going to teach him. And so I think like some of the original like frustration with watching this episode is like, you kind of expect it to go that way and then it doesn't because yeah. Toro's an asshole. Um, so it's, it's very interesting that they decided to go in that direction. Yeah. And of course, Toro's not coming back because he's dead now. Yes. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> I also didn't think—I forget what the actor's name is—but I didn't think his acting was great either. I think it no. was the weakest acting performance on the show so far. Yeah, but altogether. Yeah.
0: So our other new character is Pele Mato. Is that how you say her last name? Pele Mato. Pele Mato. And she is working with the pit droid. She's gonna repair Mando's ship. Yeah. I love Pele. I love
1: yeah, and Amy Sedaris is so funny.
0: Yeah, she. It felt like that Phantom Menace like prequel trilogy silly oh, yeah. humor. And I, and I
1: appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was just fun. Like, the way... I love the way that she's, like, checking out the ship. And mothering it's so,
1: baby Yoda. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's very exaggerated, but you can tell that, like, she's exaggerating it on purpose. Yeah. And it's just... It's so cute. It's so freaking cute, and I like mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I had a note in here about, like, the difference between Mando caring for the child in this episode and Pele because Mando leaves Baby Yoda on the ship, and, like, part of me understands why he did this. Like, Baby Yoda is sleeping, he doesn't want to, like, show him and everything. I don't know why he couldn't have just put him in a backpack, whatever. Um, (laughs) But he just leaves him here, and, like, when he comes back and he's gone, like, he freaks out, and it's like, yeah, of course he's gone. Like, that happened in the fourth episode, you know? And, like, like,
1: you know that this child isn't a baby, it's more of a toddler. And toddlers get into trouble.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, you know, he should have known. And like, Pele does tell him, like, you have a lot to learn about yeah. raising a young one. And like, when she finds Baby Yoda, you know, she mm-hmm. picks him up and it's just like, you know, fine, I'm going to watch you and then I'm going to charge him extra because yeah. I have to watch you.
1: You know what I was thinking, actually, Toro representing the original trilogy is interesting or like a certain type of fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, Pele kind of being like a prequel fan like,
0: that is kind of an interesting way to look mm-hmm. at it. Because uh, then you could even say that, like, Mando is, like, the new fan. Like, the sequel yeah. trilogy. Like,
1: learning. Not, not learning from sure. both yeah, learning. of them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because, like, Toro just... Because we've talked about this, and many people have talked about this. You know, Baby Yoda is the myth. Like, he mm-hmm. represents the myth on a meta level. So, Toro wants Tora wants the baby for, like, the... Nor- he wants to, like, have his name be known. He wants to yeah. be the one to turn him in. He doesn't he care about the myth. doesn't care about the myth. He doesn't care about the baby. Whereas, you know, when Pele finds him, like, granted, yes, she doesn't know what this baby is worth, but she's also like, it's a baby.
1: <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I have to take care of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, have you eaten? Do I need to feed you? Like, yeah. you're adorable. Like, bright- she calls him bright eyes. <laughs> That's really interesting. And, to kind of and she think calls
1: Mando Womperette.
0: <laughs> I love her. I hope she comes back. I'd love to see her again somehow. I don't know how, but she was fun. And then our other new character that we meet briefly is our assassin, Finnick Shand. And she was played by Ming Na Wen, who is also okay, the
1: coolest uh, style in the show, mm-hmm. I think. Best mm-hmm. outfit, best hair. Hmm. Um, her braids are beautiful.
0: Yes, Alex loves braids.
1: Braids <laughs> in my Star Wars.
0: <laughs> I I loved Finnick's character because she is this amazing assassin. Like apparently, she's very very hard to track down. Everybody wants to find stealthy. her to turn her she's in. She's very stealthy. She's very stealthy. And obviously, we know that Toro and Mando are going to find her, but the way she Tries to get away is by talking to Toro, and she's like, Look, like you want to take me in, but like you've already got a bigger score. Like, Mando's armor is worth so much money, money's not what he wants. She's like, Oh, well, I heard that this Mando like stole something, and he's got something that's really, really valuable, so maybe you should go and do that. Like, she knows how to work the situation, and for a minute, I thought we were gonna get like a team up with Finnick and Toro but he's an asshole, so... Yeah.
1: Do you think that Fennec will be back? <laughs> I think she has
0: to be. Because at the very end of this episode, somebody walks up and takes her. Yeah. So, she must still be alive. We have no context for this. We have mm-hmm. nothing to go on. People have theorized that this is Boba Fett. I really hope it's not Boba Fett. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, when I first but watched I mean, it, I thought it was Mando, Shannon, but it's not. Shannon, <laughs> a
1: character coming back from the dead yet again isn't out of the
0: question. No, but, like, what would that... What could that provide to Mando's story?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think Th- that there, that's what there is an on. answer there. I think that there is, I just don't know. Yeah, Because I don't think that bringing Boba Fett back is just like a mistake altogether because i think there probably is a way to do it that to actually make it good but yeah. i just
0: as long as it's meaningful yeah i think just, it could be interesting it
1: has to take some some care that's all yeah i don't i'm not against it
0: we we did talk about this you know like jango fett and boba fett like they weren't mandalorians they were just mm-hmm. bounty hunters that wore the armor so that could be something interesting to explore. I don't know how they would do it, yeah. but as long as it means something, I would be okay with it. Mm-hmm. So there are some other interesting things in this episode. I'm um, seeing him like interact with the Tuscan Raiders. Uh, I love seeing the care that goes into that and the sign language. It's I very, love that. <laughs> it's very respectful and it's very meaningful.
1: Mm-hmm. It was nice to see interaction that was respectful between. Between them, because we've always seen like, (laughs) like (laughs) destruction basically, especially with Anakin in the prequels.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and he talks about how like, you know, they believe that you know they are the locals. This is their Mm -hmm. planet, and I think they probably are. And to see, I think that's
1: a lot to say. Like that, that's there's a lot to say about that and about real life too.
0: Oh, definitely, and like they're not savages because you don't understand, like, just because you don't understand them. Like, they're just different. It's fine. You can figure it out. <laughs> so, I think with that, we can move into episode six. Yeah. So, this one is called The Prisoner, and it was directed by Rick Iwa, who also directed episode Two. 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 And in this one, the Mandalorian rejoins a crew of mercenaries, uh, who he had worked with in the past, to go on a dangerous mission to free a prisoner from a New Republic jail. Yeah, we're seeing New Republic. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. So, like, they didn't tell Mando that that's what they were doing. They just said that, like, he had been taken. Like, he doesn't know who the prisoner is yeah. or anything.
1: There is no trust in this episode no, whatsoever. No, no, no.
0: But Mando says, like, he wasn't just taken by a rival gang. He was arrested by the New Republic. And they're like, Mm -hmm. who cares? It's the same thing. That's really interesting. Like, we still don't really have a good look at, like, what the New Republic is right now.
1: Because this, like, this kind of thing wouldn't fly in the Republic era. Or, like, they would... I don't know if Mandalorian would necessarily sign up for it.
0: It'd be a lot clearer that they're pirates. Mm Mm-hmm. And like right now I feel like the lines are very blurred.
1: It's so weird because like the new republic has been like settled for what 5 years now and it's yeah. still such a joke. It's, it's such, still such, such a, jo- a joke. I mean they yeah. said that.
0: They're like it's a joke. And you know the empire is still here. There's still crime. Like clearly they're, re- they're- clearly they're still struggling. They're still struggling. Mm-hmm. So I think it was really interesting they wanted Mando to come along because they needed his ship. They say that the razor Crest is a ghost, and I kind of, I missed why they said that is. It's because it's not registered with the New Republic or the Empire, I think was what the meaning was. hmm But that's really cool to me that he's like a ghost. Like, no... Yeah. I feel like that really goes with what our Mandalorians look like right now. They're in the shadows. Yeah. They're in hiding.
1: They don't really exist. <laughs>
0: Yes, they do not really exist. And some they even say in this episode, you know, like, apparently Mandalorians were the greatest warriors of the galaxy, but they're all dead. Or why are they all dead? So people still don't know what's going on. There's That's still the a lot of mystery. mystery.
1: That's the big mystery of this show. I think we're going to f- eventually find out.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think they're going to bleed into it with Clone Wars. I really do think they're going to oh, talk a little so. bit. I hope so. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, we meet a lot of new characters in this episode, um, do you want to kind of walk us through those?
1: Yeah, so there's Sheen, who is the Mandalorian's ex-girlfriend, question mark. Question mark. <laughs> um, they get teased about being ex-partners, like I guess. Um, I don't know how serious it was, it's kind of
0: unclear. There, there's a lot, so people have speculated this, like, a lot.
1: <laughs> about seeing him under his mask.
0: Yeah, about her seeing him, or if they were together sexually, anything like that. I really think that she's just teasing him to yeah. make him uncomfortable.
1: and it's a front.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I have a feeling that it was probably the case when she first met him as well, that, like, that was a point of tension and it made him uncomfortable. She knows that that gets under his skin.
1: yeah. Because I do wonder, though, regardless of if there was any romantic relationship there, that if he did put any trust into her before,
0: that would be something to think about for sure. Mm-hmm. Because
1: and, it would like ex- it, it would add to his character to why he's so like untrustworthy, un- untrusting of people.
0: Yeah, and yeah. I think it does come back to. They, they do ask like if she had seen what was under the mask she's like oh a lady never tells but i don't think there's any reason yeah. to think i don't
1: think she saw him
0: well because that would mean that he was lying in episode four when he said that no one had seen him
1: I, and i don't think he was lying
0: yeah he, there was no reason for him to lie in that moment like why would he so i don't i think she's so, just kind of pulling the strings yeah,
1: yeah probably so then there's Mayfield, and he's kind of, like, the leader of this, like, little group, and he's, um, actually, he's, uh, Bill Burr plays him, and I just, I love the Boston accent in Star Wars. I really He was really it.
0: funny. He was <laughs> he was, really, he was good. really good. Yeah,
1: I really liked him. I mean, uh, not, like, he's not a good guy, but, um, Bill Burr was awesome, so.
0: I would love <laughs> to see his character again, though. Yeah. Like, just the way he played it, and, like, I, I really <laughs> love when... Everything in the mission like starts going wrong and he's like, look I didn't think we were gonna get this. Like, I didn't think this was gonna happen it's like he just you know you can tell that like he is a leader but he's also like so over it and it's just yeah. it's great I love that
1: mm-hmm. and then there's Berg and he's like the muscle of the group um and he is kind of scary looking
0: he's, he's a literal devil yeah yeah the imagery is there. <laughs>
1: And then there's
0: Q9-0, and he is the brains of the mission. Yes. Is he the same type of droid as... I can't think of the name of him from Rebels. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I can't remember his name. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> but we have they seen look the look type of like droid before. Yeah, they look, look like bugs. bugs. Oh, they were also in Solo. Like, briefly in Solo as well. hmm I love the idea of this episode. Like like, you know, they're putting together a crew, they infiltrate this prison, there is, like, a monster movie vibe to it, especially towards the end. I think it's a really fun episode.
1: It's shot really beautifully. It is shot really,
0: really well. It's very, very cool. In terms of, like, what this episode means, like, overall, there's not a ton to it. There are a couple of meta things, but it is definitely mostly showcasing... Mando beating up people.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is fine. Like, I, I enjoyed it, but, you know. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: I don't think that there's much to discuss about this episode rather than Mando being proven
0: that he can't trust people. Yeah. I, I think. So it's really interesting to me, like, the whole idea of this prison. Because the environment is so vastly different immediately. Mm-hmm. And people have talked about this being like a descent into the mind. It's a maze. It is holding yeah. monsters like prisoner. It's keeping them, you know, like away from everyone. There's only one sentient life form, like in the middle of this maze. That's all really interesting. And then the the flip happens. And then Mando is the one hunting down the crew members because they're onto him. They're going to take Baby Yoda, all that kind of stuff. That was really interesting. What I really love, though, is he takes all of them down and he finally gets to Quinn, which was the man Mm -hmm. that they were going to break out. And he says they got what they deserved.
1: I thought they were dead.
0: Exactly. We're supposed to think that they're dead. Because Xi'an even says earlier in the episode that, she, that he liked killing people, which we've never seen, like, to the contrary. Like, we've never seen that he likes killing people. So when he says this, I think you're supposed to think, like, oh, maybe we don't know who this is. But really, he just imprisoned them mm-hmm. for the New Republic to find, which yeah. I thought that was a really interesting choice.
1: Yeah. So they got what they deserved. They didn't get death.
0: Yeah, because nobody deserves to die. And that's that on that. (laughs) Um, There are also some director cameos in this as well, um, which are just kind of fun. And I do like at the end, he is like talking to Baby Yoda in the ship and he's like, you know, like, I told you it was a bad idea to take this job, which was cute. Mm -hmm. I think, again, this would have lended to if episode four was in between this and episode five, because that plays back into them having like a better relationship I think Mm -hmm. just kind of that cuteness. Baby Yoda, the toy, at the end—it's so adorable. (laughs) Such a good callback. I love Baby Yoda. (laughs) So now we get into the big things. I would definitely say seven and eight are a two-parter for sure. Yeah,
1: it's one story, so I think it's fair to kind of go into them together.
0: Yeah. So chapter seven is called "The Reckoning," and it starts. Directed by Deborah Chow. Um, We bow down to her. Um, She also directed episode three. She will be directing the entire Obi-Wan series. And then episode eight is Redemption, directed by Taika Waititi. There's
1: no the in front of Redemption. No. It's just Redemption. (laughs) Just
0: Redemption, just like it was just Sanctuary. What's happening in these episodes?
1: So in the first one... An old contact extends an invitation
0: for the Mandalorians
1: to make peace with his enemies. So that's um, Grief Karga uh, invites Din and Baby Yoda to come kind of resolve this whole thing so that they can walk walk away free, basically.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you know, Mando was not born yesterday. He's like, this is probably a trap. Mm -hmm. So he goes and asks Kara for help. And Kara is still on Sorgon.
1: Mm-hmm. So when we when we see Kara on Torian, there she's in the middle of, of like a wrestling <laughs> challenge kind of thing, and there's this electric rope field connecting her and her opponent by the waist, and like my mind immediately went to the red string of fate.
0: <laughs> I didn't think about that, but I think that that is really interesting and i think you can definitely make that connection like
1: i I, am not really like making any headcanons about it or anything but it's just like that's visually that's what i thought of
0: yeah i i think there's i think there's something to that for sure i don't know if that was like the intention but i think Mm -hmm. that it's still telling that that imagery is there i think it's really interesting that she is um so, when we find her still here, she says that, you know, like, I don't want to go. Like, if I'm found, I could be serving a life sentence, which is really interesting. Because wow. What did she do? Yeah, like, what she did. She was a veteran. She fought for the rebellion. Like, what? Why would they lock her up? Question mark. Uh, but as well, soon she as. She didn't
1: like protecting diplomats.
0: Yeah, but like. What did she do? What did she do? I want a Kara Dune book. Where's our Kara Dune book? Yeah. I Del Rey. Know. Del Rey, please. This is what we want. Uh-huh. Claudia can write it. She's in. She's from Alderaan. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as uh, the Mandalorian tells her that the enemy is Imperial, she doesn't even have to think about it. She's just like, yeah, nope, fine, I'm going. And hell
1: bent on destroying yeah. every Imperial.
0: Yeah, I-, I think we see a lot of that with like people who were in the rebellion, um, especially when you think about like Rogue One era. Just that immediate hate of the empire it's just it's ingrained in you and especially people from the rebellion like you can see that a lot of them don't believe that the empire is gone so it's interesting that the leaders that they elected kind of let it fall to the wayside
1: yeah it is really interesting Mm
0: Mm-hmm so when they're back on the ship, they realize that they have to have somebody else to watch Baby Yoda, so they're gonna go back and get Quill, um, because Baby Yoda was messing with the controls. But here's the thing. They make a point to show that Baby Yoda was listening in to their conversation. So Mando yeah, and Kara, his head,
1: like, yeah, he pops down. down. Yeah. They're
0: talking about going back to Navarro. Do you think it's safe? Blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the, the very next thing is him messing with the ship. Yeah. And I had, I had asked this before, you know, he's 50 years old, and so, like, we yeah. see him as a baby, he's a toddler, but, like, I really do think he understands a lot more than people think he does. Well,
1: I think that, but that's that's toddlers. I think toddlers actually, they they understand a lot more than people
0: think they do. I mean, that's uh-huh. that's true as well.
1: Yeah, I think that he's just being... He's His development is where a toddler's is. Yeah. I think they're underestimated.
0: I mean, you see this again when he chokes Kara Dune. Yeah. Just because it's like, oh no, daddy! Daddy's in trouble! Must save, must protect. (laughs) So, when we go back and get Quill, I think this is the most, like... This is, like, the coolest part of the episode, talking to Quill again, because... They he's discussing like where the child could have come from, like maybe it was from a gene farm, I don't know. And he says he, no because he's too ugly, yeah, he's too ugly. <laughs> Although he does say that Cara Dune is very beautiful, she could have been made there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he talks about how he had to fight for the empire, he was forced into indentured servitude, but he served like he worked for like three human lifetimes to free himself, and like now he works for no one, he has a peaceful life. And he went back and found IG 11. And it says specifically, like, in the he was left behind in the wake of your destruction. Reconstruction was quite difficult, but not impossible. He pieces IG 11 back together Mm -hmm. and gives him a new purpose. Yeah.
1: And he was, at that point, he says he was devoid of all life.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And Quill gives him life again. Like, he is like this droid like, mother.
0: Yeah, well, and he says that, you know, he had to relearn everything. Like, he went from being, like, a hunter droid to being, like, a nurse-type droid. And he says that, you know, it required patience and affirmation, which is... Him, him and Mando are, like, such opposites, especially, like, in episode two, like, with how they deal with things. Yeah. And I think, again, like, this is showing that when raising a child you know, it takes patience and affirmation. You can't just expect them to be a certain way. And, like, Quill yeah. even says, like, as this was going on, like, IG did develop his own personality, like, throughout this, you know, yeah. experience. Aww. I know, it's so sad. And we get that amazing line where Quill says, droids are neither good nor bad. They are neutral reflections of those who imprint them. Mm-hmm. That's such a big deal.
1: And that's like, we've kind of talked about how the child could be using the dark side or the light side of the Force when he's, mm-hmm. he's using it. And it's kind of like, it's like that. Like, what, what is he going to grow up to be? Because I think we've seen him using both sides. I think he's pretty gray right now.
0: Yeah, it, it really just comes down to who imprints upon them and the experiences yeah. that they have in their lives like it yeah it's not like, you know it's not ingrained din
1: telling like you know like din telling the child like oh no don't choke Kara. Mm.
0: like no yeah it's like no that's bad and like i i feel like it showcased so much better here and like i'm sorry to keep bringing up the rise of skywalker i'm sorry i keep harping on it but it seems like they kind of wanted to do that in The Rise of Skywalker, like, with Rey's lineage and everything, but it feels very ham-fisted, whereas here it makes a lot of sense, where it's like, you know, just because you were born as one thing doesn't mean that you are that thing, because you've grown and you've learned and you've had experiences, and that's Mm -hmm. what influences who you are.
1: Yeah, The Rise of Skywalker was so heavy-handed with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it really, really, it really was. And I think they were also trying to draw this parallel with Dio as well. And I feel like it just didn't quite make it. It was almost there. Because he there was so much yeah. horrible things done to little Dio. And he's adorable. But, you know. But it's, it's shown in a really, really beautiful way with IG-11. Yeah. And there is still that point of tension between him and Mando. Because Mando is afraid of droids. And it is because droids they killed his parents, they killed, like, his people. We don't know exactly where he was from. So when he says, like, you know, they're killers, that's what they're programmed Mm -hmm. to do. Like, I don't want this thing anywhere near this baby. Like, it's programmed to kill it. Like, he's still terrified.
1: Yeah, and you could even believe, like, the Mandalorian purge was also a result of (laughs) joys.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they used, I mean, they used, like, pretty advanced technology and all of that Mm -hmm. so you can see you know that that trauma is still very much with him and there is something to be said for him not believing that this droid could change his ways and the journey that he takes in this episode and how his mind shifts Mm because he goes he goes from not wanting This droid anywhere near this child to not wanting this droid to die.
1: Yeah, and to take the child with him and and go like keep him safe.
0: Yeah, I love him. I love IG Eleven. He's great. He's so good. (laughs) He's so good.
1: And I am. I am very glad that IG. We know that like he dies, but he does get to live a life of being a nurse droid
0: because it. He got to have a better life. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: He did get to live as this like good nurse droid
0: mm-hmm. the healing scene i was like so positive that this episode came out early so that it the would drop day
1: before the rise
0: yes. of Skywalker. so like i knew i'm like <laughs> they're doing that because there's gonna be force healing and like you even see in like episode two like baby yoda tries to heal Mando. Like, he, it's like an instinct for him. Yes. <laughs> and so he heals grief in this episode. A wound that would have killed him because it was, you know, there was venom. It would have, like, he would have died. And Baby Yoda heals him. Now. <sighs> we, There's so much confusion about what, like, the lore of force healing because yeah. Rise of Skywalker kind of messes it up. I, I feel like the way that it's shown here is really fascinating because, like, it, it is mysterious. And it is, like, I, you know, he, he just did this thing and it was very powerful, mm-hmm. so it kind of knocked him out, which is in keeping with the rest of the series. Every time he does, like, a really big force yeah. thing, it he has to take a little nap, get back, you know, get back to it. But it does make me wonder, it's like, when is too much, too much? Like, why why did he and Ray have to kill ben and if it is because if it is because they made the lore be you know like well ray was actually dead so he had to transfer his life to him it's like a battery yeah (laughs) and like if that is what it is like if that is what the lore is then it was still a choice to make it kill ben solo because then they could have had her not be dead like she could have just been like dying (laughs)
1: Ben could have also not been as injured as he was when he went to help her. Yeah, see,
0: it's all a choice. <laughs> like, they did have to
1: injure him as much as they did.
0: Yeah, it, it makes me, like, more <laughs> angry because yeah. they could have not made this choice and they did anyway. It's not yeah. like, oh, but the canon says this. And it's like, yeah, well, if the cannon says this, they could have done it and differently. <laughs> they
1: recharge. Like, baby Yoda recharges.
0: Yeah, because not long after this, you know, he holds back that fire. Yeah. Which is pretty big deal.
1: Both so, are really big deals.
0: Yeah, and he's very little. He's very small. So I don't know. I love the way. But is, it is, mental, shown here, is it
1: mental? Is it mental energy being expanded?
0: See, that is the question. Is the force just a video game?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't know. Those are questions like that how, hopefully like, will get answered.
1: Concerns about fallen order were like things like that, like how to treat the force and how to treat lightsabers and like like that kind of thing, and then, like, the Rise of Skywalker like, completely probably made the mistakes that they were thinking Fallen Order would make.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I and I don't think Rise of Skywalker necessarily did it intentionally. I think they just, they're like, oh, this is the way that it goes, because they weren't concerning themselves with what had already been set up in canon. So. But it's
1: it's very well done in Mandalorian. It
0: is very well done in Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. I really like it, and that is what change like it changes grief cargo's mind because the plan was for grief to betray them and it was they were going to kill Kara, they were going to kill mando but he has a change of heart because the baby saved him and kind of like learning about him and seeing him and so he decides like no i want to help you like i i have yeah. to help you save this child
1: At that point, though, I wasn't even sure if I could trust him,
0: though, still. No, I I think that turn is really well done because
1: Mm
0: -hmm. the the characters don't trust him either. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, You're still like, I don't know. I don't don't know if I liked you or not. But I think Grief Cargo is a really cool character and the way he plays it's done well.
1: Shannon, they could have done a scene like that with Ben Solo. (sighs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, man. I know. I
1: keep harping on the rise sky. I know. It's <laughs> like everything reminds me of it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I know. Every everything <laughs> always comes back to it, and that's like my thing. Where it's like, until they fix it, I can't not be like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> what is happening?
1: I do really like that. Grief is like. the the little bugger is a carnivore
0: and then like five minutes later
1: he's trying to eat
0: me I love how he interacts with baby Yoda especially later where he's like let's get the baby to do the magic hand thing do the magic hand and baby Yoda just like waves at him
1: yeah oh
0: my god this is the cutest thing ever the grief Baby Yoda relationship is very good. It's very good. He would be somebody where it's like if they handed him Baby Yoda, he'd be like yeah. holding him like as far He'd smile. be like, he'd be like
1: that uncle that like doesn't have any kids and doesn't know how to like take care of the kid. Is
0: it like a dog? It's like a dog, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we arrive in town. Um, many more stormtroopers than they were expecting. Uh... Grief Greef Lied. Grief Lied. Uh, yeah. A lot. There's a lot of stormtroopers here. Um, but they are led inside uh, to see the client. Um, and, again, I think the client is really fascinating. He he seems like a zealot. Because they even say that like the, the Imperial client is obsessed with obtaining the asset. And we do find out that like he's working for somebody else. like He's working for Moff Gideon, who is above him. But... You can still see that this client, like he wants, to see the child. Like he wants the yeah. child to be there, and
1: he talks. What's he to- getting out of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, what is he getting out of it? Like, what? What is? Who is he? We don't know his rank either. Like, we're asked, and they don't know.
1: He's a so,
0: metal. <laughs> yeah, but what does it mean? I don't know. But he says, like, why did Mandalore resist our occupation? The Empire brings stability. It brings peace. Yada 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 compare imperial rule to what we're living in now, death and chaos, is the world more peaceful since the revolution? Is it? Is it? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it is either. I think maybe in some places, but not everywhere. There's a lot of people that go, igno- like, that are ignored by the New Republic, and yeah. I don't know. I, I think the you know, the fall of the First Order going in, you know, with the Resistance, whatever government they're going to set up, I I do think they're going to repeat the same mistakes. Because we haven't yeah, seen if anything's been learned.
1: The rebels were never ready to win. No. Like, they were planning for the war, and they had no plan
0: ahead of winning. That was the point, too. There's something... I can't remember where it was in, but it has to do with Palpatine's contingency plan. They yeah. wanted to throw the fight when they did because they knew that the rebellion wasn't ready to win. And in yeah. Alphabet Squadron Harris and Dula talks about that. She's like we were not ready to win mm-hmm. this fight. And the
1: empire was ready to lose.
0: They were ready to lose. They knew that if they lost then they could win later. Yeah. Yes. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> and they did. Ooh. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> but it's it's really fascinating and I I really think of Rogue One in this it looks so impossible to defeat the Empire it looks so impossible that anything could be better because like the New Republic's not better and the Empire was horrible but you know he's kind of right like there was peace and stability sometimes so it does feel very hopeless and you always like remember like the whole point of Rogue One was that there is still hope in fighting yeah
1: and you look at the older, like, the, the Republic from the prequel era, and it was bad then, too, because there was still slavery. Yeah,
0: there was still a lot of corruption. So, when are they ever... Like,
1: how are they going to break the cycle? Yeah,
0: when when <laughs> I, is the cycle going to be broken? I don't understand. <laughs> the cycle was supposed to break in episode there, 9, and it didn't. Yeah,
1: there should have been, like, like besides Bendemption... Breaking the cycle should have been their like priority to show that to the audience that something was different this time around.
0: Yeah, and that that really does make me think that it's like, oh, in thirty years, it's gonna be like, oh, somehow Palpatine returned again. You know, because like the cycle didn't yeah, break. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's gonna happen again. It's just gonna keep. I'm happening. not even
1: convinced that like the Palpatine we saw was like. No, the real Palpatine they were in like or- a
0: cloning facility. Like, and if he created Snoke, like, there was a whole jar of them. How do we know that yeah. there's not another one just somewhere hanging out in the hat? Maybe, the, maybe hat mm-hmm. Snoke is a different Snoke <laughs>
1: than bathrobe Snoke. Yeah. It's just, like, Mandalorian opened such a big can of worms for the future. Yeah. Showing us that winning the war was not enough.
0: Yeah. It wasn't enough because it's not just about defeating the bad guys mm-hmm. it's about paving the way to being better and I do think we're going to see that in pockets throughout Star Wars but overall until they you know touch that broader story again we're not going to know what happened mm-hmm. and so like you know we we get on this about like our Ray our theory and the world between worlds we're probably going to do an episode about that at some point But that would be a way to show that the cycle has been broken. For sure.
1: Yeah.
0: So, let's talk about Moff Gideon. Uh, Who is this man? He's a scary man. He's a scary man. (laughs) He's a bad man. (laughs) He's got (laughs) a lot of style, though. Don't go near him. I like his style. He has so much style. He's got a lot of style. But he's very creepy. I love his
1: voice.
0: It is
1: terrorizing. It's great. Yeah. he So... I do not watch Breaking Bad, so I do not know of this actor in anything else. I know that people love him in Breaking Bad, and he is fantastic as Moff Gideon.
0: Yes. Yes. And again, this reminds me a lot of Rogue One. I feel like Rogue One did a really good job of showing how scary the Empire is. Yeah.
1: But this guy's so much scarier than Krennic.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) Krennic's kind of a joke. But, like, just his entrance. Like, all these stormtroopers come out, and then, like, he he descends in his tie, and it's really slow, and then he, like, walks up, and you're just like, oh, my God, who is this dude?
1: And he just, like, commands the room.
0: Yes, immediately. (laughs) Like, all eyes are on him in the center of the ring, just like a circus. (laughs) These are his monkeys. So, we find out that he is, he was an ISB officer during the purge. Again, we don't really know what the purge is or what was going on on Mandalore, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah. Mando knows who this guy is, and Moff Gideon knows who knows. all of them are.
1: <laughs> all of them. All of them. All of them.
0: How does he know? <laughs> How does he know? Was he
1: undercover? Was he an undercover I.S.B. agent? I don't know. I like kind of like wonder if he infiltrated the Mandalorians.
0: Maybe. That would make sense. And that was where the,
1: the fall stem from, from within.
0: Oh my god. That would be something. <laughs> that would be yeah. really heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. I'd read that book. I'd read that book mm-hmm. in a well, heartbeat. We
1: might see it in, in, like I said, um, season two. I'm wondering if they're going to go with the same format where there's this flashback happening like throughout the season and each episode you get kind of a little bit more of it and mm-hmm. it's like a puzzle being put together we might get that from the purge
0: yeah 100 percent. it's it's really really fascinating um so he knows that the mando is dinjarin which we didn't know his name until this point even though uh, Pedro pascal kind of Spoiled that. <laughs> I completely forgot about it, though. Uh, and then we have Kara Cynthia Dune of Alderon, And he knows who Greek Karga is as well. But I always forget, even when I'm watching it, because I just I hear Kara Cynthia Dune and my mind just goes, whoa. <laughs> and I don't of absorb anything Alderaan. else. Of <laughs> Where's our Kara book? I'm sorry, where is my book? This is book? like this is what I want. This is what I want, Star Wars. Who is she? Um, where
1: is the Mandalorian extra material? Yes. Where is it?
0: Where is my Kara book? Like
1: it will sell.
0: Where <laughs> is my Kara book?
1: It's gonna sell you you know like this stuff would sell so much better than any of the Rise of Skywalker extra yes. stuff. Yes. A Kara Dune book. Would sell better than a Poe Dameron book, I think.
0: It would. And you know that like Gina would be all over that too.
1: Yeah. I think she would she would get really into it. Cause I think um Gwendolyn Christie also read the Phasma book too. Mm-hmm. Like and she would like Gina would be like so into it. Yeah.
0: Not saying that Oscar Isaac wouldn't be into a Poe book. I'm just no, saying that Oscar no, no. Isaac's been done really dirty.
1: <laughs> and like I
0: don't blame him. I don't like, blame him either. Yeah, <laughs> I also don't want to read about Poe being straight. I get it, <laughs> but yeah, I want to know who she is. I want to know what her deal is. She's from Alderaan. Did she know Leia? Like, <laughs> I have so many questions. Yeah, so many questions.
1: Well, even like, was she being trained to be like a royal guard or something? Like, what did so Bail? Where her? is my did Bale royal guard? You. Yeah, did Bail recruiter to be a rebel soldier?
0: The potential. There's <laughs> so much potential. I I have so many questions. Like a Cara Dune that has Bail Organa in it. The fashion. Yes, I need this.
1: Appraise, I, did she the know, Did she know Holdo?
0: <laughs> like.
1: Oh my god! I have some, how, how much older I mean, is Holdo she? Holdo wasn't from Alderaan though,
0: but no, but. Like how much older is she than Leia? Like, was she Not already much. with? I, was she already with the rebellion when Leia finds out about them in Princess of Alderaan?
1: I think that Leia is is very plausible that Leia and Kara are around the same age. I, I think that's possible.
0: Have questions? Where is the book? Is the first question? <laughs> yeah. Yes but we are kind of moving into episode 8 territory, so to round out episode 7, uh, it ends very shockingly with the Empire catching up to Queel, who was trying to take Baby Yoda back to the safety of the ship, and they take the child, and Queel dies. Very sad. Really sad. I really liked his character. I,
1: I After episode 7, I wasn't convinced she he was dead. I'm like, no, he's okay. No, but he's, he's totally dead. Baby Yoda's gonna save him. Baby Yoda's gonna heal him.
0: <laughs> no. But no. what is interesting though is that he's saved by IG-11. Mm-hmm. Which I think was really important to show. Yeah.
1: And we've kind of talked about IG's actions in this episode and Quill's will. Mm-hmm. Like, and, um... So we've seen in the past like the will of the force being in force through other beings after one is passed. So we've seen it in Rebels, um, after Kanan sacrifices himself, he um his will is being exercised through a wolf who has kind of taken on his like soul almost. Um, and so that will is still being exercised through the wolf. He's still helping his family achieve like what they're going after. Um, and so it's kind of it's similar to that that Quill's dead, but his will is still working in IG. like he is still protecting the child. He is still like he was the one who programmed IG to do this.
0: Yeah, it, it really does feel like even though he's gone and he's not in this episode, like he's still present. Through what he taught, Ig, mm-hmm. like you, you can still really feel yeah. him. He he made and, such an impact, and it's such a big
1: theme because you see it in Rogue One also. Yeah, <laughs> you see the hope, the will of that hope that Jin had. Like when she when she died, it
0: went on. <laughs> yeah, it just got passed on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's really beautiful. That's really really cool. Do you want to talk about the stormtroopers in the beginning? They're
1: really funny. I, like I know them. a lot of people are really pissed off about them hitting Baby Yoda. Um, They're not nice guys. Yeah, they're not
0: supposed to be nice. <laughs> I think their banter is hilarious. I mm-hmm. I think that really, like, that's some of, like, Taika Waititi's, like, personality kind of coming through. Yeah. Um, I think it's really fun. I think them missing mm-hmm. the target like, it's funny, and to me, I didn't think it was too fourth wall, because, like, I wasn't really thinking about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, some people have said, like, you know, like, it's kind of breaking the fourth wall, like, stormtroopers being bad at
0: aim. I think it's more, like, they make a joke about it in episode six, because um, Mayfield was a sharpshooter, and they're just like, oh, must, like, is that why you're not with the Empire? And he's like, I wasn't a stormtrooper! To me, that's more of breaking the fourth wall.
1: Fourth wall, yeah. Yeah,
0: because they're, like, aware that they're bad at shooting. But I thought they were funny and IG coming in and taking them down is actually really, really brutal. And then you can hear their mm-hmm. bones snapping. But I like that then he like looks down at Baby Yoda and he's like, I'm sorry you had to see that. And they just go. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute.
1: And then like just like him wearing Baby Yoda as like I've like, been waiting the, like, for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> the way when they storm into the town and he spins around with his arms covering Baby Yoda and then he has the his back to all the Stormtroopers and then his arms fly out and start shooting at them. Like, it's so cool. It it's was so really cool to well watch. done.
0: This shootout <laughs> is done really well, I feel like. Like, the way that it's- you... It felt, it felt <laughs> hopeless. Like, it felt like they were pinned down. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get into the sewers. They were like, oh, we can escape into the covert, whatever. And, like, it really felt like there was no hope. And then here comes yeah. IG-11, just guns ablaze it. And it's so funny, because, like, in the first episode, like, Din Jaren, like, he rolls his eyes. He's like, ugh, look at him yeah, just blowing stuff up. And then when he comes in now, you're like, heck
1: yeah! Yeah. <laughs> I today. think there's a lot there's a lot to say about the way Taika shot this whole sequence where they're all like it's all like really close range and it's tight and so it makes you feel like you're part of the action Mm -hmm. which is insane because it's a tv show and you're watching it on a small screen like this is like the type of like feeling sometimes you get when you're in a movie theater and you feel part of the action like i was like sucked into this scene
0: yeah it's it's very very well done i really really like it so, when they take out all the stormtroopers, uh, they finally, well, they don't take all of them out, but they are trying to escape into the sewers, which is where the Mandalorians are hiding out. But unfortunately, uh, Din Djarin has been fatally injured and he tells them to leave him behind. He gives Baby Yoda to Kara and they try to escape, but IG stays behind. Because now, you know, his function is to nurse and protect. And he knows that he can save Din Djarin. And he, you know, he's like, I have to remove your helmet. And he's like, no living thing has ever seen my face. You know, like, don't come near me. And he's like, well, I'm not a living thing. But my favorite thing about this scene is that Din Djarin tells him, you know, like, all IGs are hunters. And he just looks at him and he's like, not this one. And he saves him. It's, it's
1: really beautiful
0: it's really beautiful like they really went this is such a big moment for the Mandalorian because he doesn't trust droids and he doesn't thi- he didn't think that they could you know overcome their programming and in this moment like it changes his mind it's just like when baby Yoda healed grief Karga like he has a, a change of heart and now he's like you know like this droid saved me like I want to protect him like he is part of our team now.
1: He really like welcomes him into the like little found family they have.
0: Yeah. And I I really like how much respect is given to, you know, like they have to remove the helmet. Like the helmet has to come off and they do talk about like, you know, there's nobody here to see you. Like I am not a living thing, but it's still done like very respectfully. I felt like they could have done this in a different way. But I the music I th- was
1: good. The music was good. It, you can yeah. really feel the
0: gravity of it like you can feel how hopeless um, he is like you know like I'm dying and he's taking my helmet off and I'm I'm gonna die with a droid, you know but it he's okay in the end.
1: And were you shocked to see Pedro Pascal launchers?
0: like i know what this man looks like but it's still like <gasps>
1: he looks really good he
0: looks really good he is i like
1: like i know how good looking pedro pascal is but then you see him and you're like oh wow he's really good
0: looking <laughs> somebody from work just sent me a message with no context it's kylo ren on a cheese it box oh they know me well <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a really powerful moment. (laughs) Um, But he saves him, so they escape into the underground as well, and they meet back up with everybody else. And now we finally get to learn what happened to the tribe of Mandalorians that were living on Navarro. Because last time we saw them in episode 3, they exposed themselves. You know, they were living in the shadows, and they finally exposed themselves to help save the Mandalorian and to save Baby Yoda. And so now we learn what the price was of that a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. So the Empire came in and wiped them out. And all they find down there is a bunch of empty armor. And the armor. And the armor. She stayed behind to help... I forget exactly how she says it, but she she's trying to, like, um, salvage what was left. And she did help some escape. Yeah. So she does believe that, you know, she's some like, are alive. She has hope. She
1: has a lot of hope.
0: Yeah. But she she has to... Salvage the armor. She has to keep, you know, the traditions alive. And like, Mm -hmm. even Din Jaren says, you know, like he he has to stay behind to help her and she convinces him to leave. So it's clearly, there's clearly a lot of. Because the child
1: is the future. She's like telling him, like, no, your new job is to be this child's father. This child
0: (laughs) is the future. He was going to stay behind to help honor the past, but he has to go (laughs) and protect the future.
1: It's really about learning from your past mistakes to not make them again and make the right decisions in the future.
0: Yeah, which is which we know that is something that the Mandalorians um, along with a lot of people in Star Wars really Have need to learn from. A pattern of yeah. yeah. I really love this sequence because We already know that the the armorer is like a a goddess, but she really feels like a goddess in this moment. Like, how she is tending to the fallen. She's trying to keep the tradition alive. The way she talks to Mando, you know, they talk about, like, the child being an enemy, but he is an individual. He is not your enemy. You have to help him find his people. Like, he is a foundling. Like, I charge you to help him. Like, it really does... She feels like a goddess.
1: It's like... It's like, oh, damn, the goddess is, like, giving me a mission. I have to follow it. Exactly,
0: exactly. Like, he has been charged to help this child. And now that, like, she has specifically charged him, like, he cannot back down from it. There is no returning to Sorgon and, like, packing up the armor. Mm -hmm. Like, he has to help baby Yoda now.
1: It'll be, like, as ingrained in him as not taking off his helmet.
0: Yes, yes. I believe that as well. I think so. And I really like that she says, you know, like, by creed until um it's reunited with its own kind you are as its father so he yeah. he is the father of baby Yoda now and they are a clan of two
1: so what do you think of age is like how old are you once you can really join the creed
0: i don't know that's a good question cuz i feel like that's one that star wars hasn't really talked about and you have to kind of think of mm-hmm. the different cultures is it the jedi different planets age?
1: like I don't the know. age where they go from padawan to jedi
0: kind of That's a good question. Because you have to even wonder, like, with Sabine... Although, like, with Sabine, Mandalore was under a very different regime. Yeah,
1: it wasn't a foundling system at that point. Or at least that group wasn't a foundling system. Yeah.
0: I guess now's a good time to kind of talk about Din Djarin being a foundling. So we get to see, like, the whole sequence of what happened to his family. And we see that he was rescued by Death Watch. And it says, you know, like, he was a foundling... And he was raised in the fighting corps. Which I'm not sure what that is. But again, like, until a fountain... Like
1: would you think it's, like, a branch of, like, the army, kind of, that would protect?
0: I think so, maybe. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I do think because it's... Because Deathwatch kind of...
1: Deathwatch kind of considers themselves that.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's interesting that, given what we learned about, like, houses and clans, like... And now we learn that, like, when you become of age, like, you kind of get to do your own thing. You're not necessarily, like, a foundling anymore. And, you know, he doesn't have a signet. So it kind of makes me wonder if, like, he was raised by Death Watch, but he himself, and maybe even the tribe that he's with, is not necessarily mm-hmm. Deathwatch.
1: Well, the Purge happened after he became a foundling, so... It's hard to say, like, you, like you said, like, that group of Mandalorians aren't necessarily all old Death Watch.
0: Yeah, they, like they might mixture. just be, you know, survivors. Yeah. Yeah. And, like,
1: how old was, like, my question is, how old was Din when the Purge happened?
0: Yeah. and
1: When was the Purge? Yeah, yeah. what exactly
0: is, th- the Purge has to be whatever happened after Rebels, because... Yeah. Clearly, like, because you know they occupied Mandalore, and he talks about you know like they resisted yeah. occupation. So then the purge mm-hmm. happened, and we don't. There's yeah. a lot that we don't know within that.
1: And it's it's hard to kind of say. Well, you can kind of like guess Din's age based off of how old he is in the Clone Wars. Yeah. So um so yeah, it's like we have no idea what this purge thing is no, when it happened. We have no idea. There's a big enough like time, like an era between rebels and now there's so many years
0: yeah well cause when that happened with everything with Bo-Katan happened that was you know towards the end of Rebels so we were getting closer yeah. to A New Hope
1: so we are like so the war the um, the war how long did that span? five was it five years
0: I don't know I'm so, not a real like, Star Wars fan. I, I, I,
1: I, yeah, we're not real Star Wars fans, apparently. <laughs> um, so, like, let's say it's like ten years later. Yeah, between that Rebel, those Rebels episodes, and
0: and then Mandalorian. Yeah, I don't know. Well, because <laughs> I would I would say that the Purge probably happened. You know, obviously before the end of the Rebellion battles with the Empire. Yeah, so obviously so it before would be Jakku. In that like
1: five year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that's that's a nice gap that they can fill in. Um, they, we do get a little bit of a, a nod to the Siege of Mandalore in this. Uh, Moff Gideon talks about hearing the songs of the Siege of Mandalore and the Night of a Thousand Tears, which just, who oh. oh, we're going to see that happen. <laughs> Is there an episode yeah, as called as A like, Thousand Tears?
1: <laughs> I don't know. As of right now, we are three days from the first episode.
0: As of this episode coming out, yeah, yes. <laughs> so it's it's a lot. I'm re- I'm not ready, but I am ready. Please hurt me, but don't hurt me like the rise of Skywalker does. No, did.
1: like I do want to be hurt, but I need to have the pieces of my heart picked up.
0: It has to have meaning. And put back together. Has to have meaning. <laughs> yeah. Has to have meaning. So the armorer charges uh, Dinjarin to you know help baby Yoda take him back to his people. We don't know what that means. Uh, we don't know if that means the Jedi or if he's going to find a planet of Yoda's. Um, yeah. Some people that kind of brings in some speculation of if we're going to see Luke Skywalker. Cause now all that's left of the Jedi is Luke and his Academy. So.
1: Well, where is baby Cal?
0: Yeah. What, what happened to Cal? Like, where did he go? So there, there's a lot of questions of like where they could be going from here, I kind of think that he's not. If he goes and he looks for his species, like his kind, I don't think they're going to find them. I don't mm-hmm. know if they would Will they do, find Ahsoka. Yeah, if they would find Ahsoka or like if they find Jedi stuff. I have no idea what that could be, but I do think that they're not going to find like. A planet of yodas or if they no, do they're gonna I find that it's been, been like, wiped out or something it, those questions. yeah
1: they're not gonna answer the questions about the Yoda species i don't think i don't think we're gonna know more
0: no i think they're gonna leave it very very ambiguous yeah but i do like that so he gets that mission and he earned he finally gets his signet which is a mud horn, which represents yeah. you know him and baby yoda working together which is really nice because mm-hmm. now they are the clan of two
1: and you know what I, I do think that Din would consider the child's people Force users because I think he considers himself a Mandalorian and not what he was born from. Yeah, because, I was like that. technically. I feel like like the Foundlings can be any species. Like it doesn't matter. It's more about the creed. Like it's about being a Mandalorian. So I could see him being like, "Well, his creed are the Force users."
0: Yeah exactly yeah so that's how you kind of get into like is he gonna go find the jedi yeah kind of thing i don't i don't think we would see like luke in the mandalorian
1: i don't want to i don't want to either i
0: there's there's too much going on there um
1: i like a lot of other decisions i think ahsoka would have to have a lot of care yeah but i would prefer that
0: yeah there, there's a lot of questions. I, I think, honestly, if he found, like, Cal, that would be interesting. Cal would be very old. Cal would be very old. Um, or, nah,
1: yeah. He would, how old? He was like, the
0: same age as Ahsoka? Yeah. Around. Yeah. And we know, like, from what happens in that game. I don't want to spoil it if you haven't um, listened to us talk about it or watched any playthroughs of the game, but that could be an interesting road to go down. Yeah. For sure.
1: And this is, like, just, like, a little bit after Ahsoka the White, right? Yeah. Um. So, like, her and Sabine are currently, they found Ezra or they're still looking for Ezra?
0: Yeah, see, there's a lot of questions there, too. So, I... And, like you know, Dave Filoni does some interesting things. So I wonder how yeah. connected it's going to get or if it's going to stay more contained.
1: Within Mandalorian Filoni rather than big white yeah. world Filoni. Well, because, like, you got to remember,
0: you know, like, this is, like, a good... It, this. You can honestly watch The Mandalorian without having seen anything else. And I don't think you should expect fans... To necessarily dive into the other stuff. Like, obviously, if you loved The Mandalorian, like, you should be encouraged to go and, like, watch the movies and watch Rebels and, like, learn some of those plot lines. But I don't think you could, like, assume like, if you went straight into season two and it's like, all right, now we're gonna have Ahsoka and Purgles, World Between Worlds, like, that would be a lot to handle. Well,
1: there's a huge population of people who are just
0: watching the show for Baby Yoda. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I I think the way that they balanced it in season one is really good, and I want to see that balance continue. Mm -hmm. Moving on from here, like, into the end of the episode because we've kind of talked about it a little um they do descend farther down um into the tunnels they find a lava river to take them out to the lava flats this is very like this is obviously the river Styx with you know Chiron or Charon um descending into the underworld it's the imagery is really really there but when they think that they've you know found like salvation when they think that they finally made it out um, the empire is still out there so IG sacrifices himself to save the rest of the crew and he says that there is no way to succeed with him living and the child living like this is the only Uh way and he says you know like you can rewrite all of my protocols if you tell me that the child will be safe in your care
1: it's so heartbreaking it's so
0: heartbreaking and Din doesn't want him to die, like he's like no, like you. We need like, you. <laughs> it's like sure, this is his programming, but it's just so convincing that if
1: IG was like a real person, he would still make the same decision.
0: Well, and you can tell that like it's not the programming that makes him make this decision. He makes no, this decision to so- save everyone.
1: Yeah, it's his care.
0: It's his yeah, which I for the future like that it. They make that so believable by Queel saying in episode seven, you know, like he developed his own personality. Like you can tell that, like yeah. this is he made this choice. Like this was it's his choice. Really, really well. Yeah. Like,
1: uh, bow down to the creators on this. Yeah, um,
0: they, especially IG's arc. They handled it so well. Like I feel like with droids, like there is so much to be said for it, and we just don't get to see a lot of it. And in this, I think they really explored you know, the lore and the myth of droids in Star Wars really well. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's really sad that IG and Queel dies, but the, their deaths are so meaningful and you can tell that, like, they have made an impact on everyone else. Like, they, they made... They were very instrumental in Din's character development and their deaths are not going to be in vain because their will... Will live on in him. Mm hmm. Uh, it's so good. But when, you know, that he takes out everybody on the ground and then Din gets a jetpack and he takes out uh, Moff Gideon's TIE fighter, we see that Kara is going to stay on Navarro uh, with Green. What does that mean though? I don't know.
1: Like, so Kara staying on Navarro, she was on a lush green planet. And now she decides that you know I want to stay on this
0: like I think it's because she has a purpose there. Planet. When she was on Navarro, she wasn't really doing anything other than hiding. Whereas, yeah. or uh, when she was on Sorgon. now that she's on Navarro, she says that she wants to help mop up the Imperials, which is what she was doing at the end of the at the end of the war when she was with the rebellion. I think yeah. she's discovered her purpose again. Yeah, her joining in with the bounty hunters. I'm not exactly sure where that's going to go. But I do think her and Grief make an interesting pair. And I'm excited to hopefully see them again in season two. I do think
1: we'll see them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So she stays on Navarro. Uh, The Mandalorian and Baby Yoda go back to their ship. I really love that there's a scene of him burying Quill. I think that was really needed. And it's so respectful. Like, it was just... Done very really, much. really well.
1: It was a burial scene that was done very well in Star Wars. Yes.
0: Yes. There was so much respect and so much meaning. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's interesting that, you know, like he could have taken Queel back to the planet he was on, but I don't think that yeah. so much mattered. I think what really mattered was just burying him and giving him yeah. respect. Because that's what yeah. Queel would have wanted.
1: Well, compared to the Rise of Skywalker. Ray went out of her way to go to Tatooine, yeah, rather than just, let's say, going to Age on Kloss and like just burying the lightsabers there,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: which would have like, it would have been fine. (laughs) Yeah,
0: did the lightsabers need to be buried? (laughs) No, no, they did not. So I don't.
1: But if they did want that, like
0: that closure, visual, yeah, it could
1: have just been in the jungle, like, like she went out of her way to go somewhere. Well, that's the thing.
0: You could have made. That planet, meaningful in some other way. It could have had a a temple on it. It could have been Devron. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, So,
1: yeah, it it meant a lot, just, like, the way that scene was handled. Yes. It was well done.
0: That was extremely respectful. And then later we see um, Baby Yoda on the ship, and he's got, you know, like, something... And it's a little Mandalorian charm. It's got the skull on it. And I think yeah. it's really... Din Jaren tells him, he's like, I never thought I would see this again. And then he tells him to hold on to it for him.
1: Well, wasn't it... they? It was going to see Kara's safe passage to the Mandalorians? If she showed oh, them yeah. that and the baby? So it was going to be like... A, it's almost like a symbol that this is a foundling. Aww. So, like, baby Yoda having this charm is like... He is part of the tribe. Yeah, he is a Mandalorian. Like protect, like those Mandalorians. If if they were just to find the baby with that charm, they would protect him. They would protect him. Yeah,
0: it's so meaningful. I really really love that. So the final note that the series ends on is the fact that Moff Gideon is not dead. Apparently a TIE fighter crashing will not kill you. We have seen two well, instances of this. Well, we know that. <laughs> two instances two of this. instances in the same week. In the same week. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's still alive and he has the dark saber. So what does that mean?
1: How did he get it? How
0: did he get it? Is Bo-Katan dead? Yeah. Like, because clearly that has to do with the purge. Like, he he was an officer yeah, during the purge, blah, blah, blah. We know
1: that the purge has to happen within, like, five, probably, like, five years with it yeah. the, after that episode airs. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, clearly, that, that, in like, the, timeline.
0: the way that Rebels is set up is that, like, they've created, like, a rebellion on Mandalore. Like, their own rebellion against the yeah, Empire. Yeah, So yeah, clearly that's going to culminate with the purge, and the Empire is going to win and they take the Darksaber. But you still have to wonder, so, like, we have these cells of Mandalorians, they're hiding out, like, so many of them are dead. Like, what happened to them? Are they trying to rebuild? Like, what what is going on? And what would that mean if they reclaimed the Darksaber? Moff
1: Gideon claiming the Darksaber, like, does he know the ritual? D- did, did he actually, f- like, fight... Bow in combat.
0: That would be really or interesting. He take it?
1: Because like if like an outsider might not necessarily know the ritual, but this guy seems like he knows everything. Yeah, he seems so like he, he knows. He would what's going know on. the ritual. Like he would know the ritual of the dark saber. So I'm like I don't want him to know it because I think that the fact that he probably knows it means that he did defeat Bocaton.
0: Well, it's kind of like Maul. Like Maul took down um, Pre Visla, and mm-hmm. took the dark saber. So it's kind of yeah. like that. And I, I think I'm scared. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm scared too. And I'm excited because of that. I don't think we're gonna see Dinjarin wield the dark saber. It, even if we do, he's not the one who's gonna unite Mandalore. It's like Sabine.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It he. It would be like Sabine. It would be like a passing on type of thing. Um, yeah. who that person's going to be I don't know unless Bo-Katan does is it come the back armor? or it could be the armor ooh I don't know <laughs> armor is not dead I hope she comes back I love her goddess <laughs> it's so good so what are you most looking forward to going into season 2 do you think
1: I'm looking forward to the search for baby Yoda's people whatever that means, and I am really hoping for some backstory on The Purge.
0: Yeah, same here. I think those things are going to be really, really fascinating. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that they give you, they give us, like, crumbs about The Purge and then go into it, like, for real in, like either an animated something or, like, the comics or, like, give us a book, like, just to... So I feel like that's something that really could really stand on its own Mm
1: -hmm. because it's so
0: involved and it's so connected.
1: I think they're trying to keep it a little mysterious, though. Yeah. So I think that's why it's more likely we're going to get little, like, tidbits in the show, kind of like how they're leaving little breadcrumbs rather than a whole book where they'll it'll be more awkward to kind of like yeah
0: leave oh, well said. i feel like if we get a whole <laughs> book it's gonna be like later <laughs> not yeah, now yeah. like mm-hmm. i think they'll leave it ambiguous until they're ready to close the door on that chapter Definitely. and give us all of the details so that is gonna wrap it up for our makeup and mandalore series uh i'm really excited to see what's coming next with mandalorian I'm really excited to see uh, the Siege of Mandalore on Clone Wars. Like maybe we'll have like a little auxiliary episode with all of the things that we learn in Clone Wars. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy time. Um, Star Wars still hurts, but mm-hmm. maybe things are getting better. <laughs> we'll know for sure uh, eventually. So our next episode we will be covering uh, Galaxy's Edge, which we are both very very excited to do. I think it's gonna be really fun. I leave in a week. I'm excited. It's gonna be great. (laughs) I
1: leave in five days. Yes. But I will be home by now. Yes.
0: Yeah, we'll both be home by now. But when we Um, do it. I
1: I have the Ben Solo Saber.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) I do, I do. Are you excited to hold it? Yeah. (laughs) It's gonna be so big. I know so uh, be on the lookout for that that's going to be really fun Um, our podcast anniversary is actually coming up as well it'll be on February 26th so that's exciting Um, I don't know if we're going to do anything maybe who knows (laughs) but celebrate with us we've been doing this for a year can you believe it can you believe how much art you've drawn no (laughs) it's a lot of art it's a lot of (laughs) art you're almost at 50 (laughs) Almost, almost almost there. Uh, I also want to say, please be sending us uh, your Star Wars stories if you want to be part of our Friday episodes. Uh, We're just about time to be prepping episodes for March. So if you want to send in your story, all you have to do is record yourself or write it out if you want us to read it for you. Uh, You can give as little or as much as you want, uh, but try to answer the questions, how you got into Star Wars, how you engage with the fandom, what you're looking forward to uh, most as we're going into this new year when we're getting new content, all that kind of stuff. And there are instructions how to do that um, in the description of every episode of uh, Lipstick and Lightsabers. And you can always reach out to us as well. We're always here to answer any questions you guys have. Uh, You can find us always on Twitter at Lip underscore Lightsabers. I am at MacArthur Shannon, and she is at Alex Leonis. Uh, But that is going to wrap it up for this episode. So we will see you guys next time. Bye.
1: Bye.